Let's look at God's word together this morning. We are back in our study in the Gospel of Mark and making some connections with uh, a passage out of Matthew. But I want to read for you this morning Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. This is going to be our passage for this morning. So let's read God's word here. It says in verse 1, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and so they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went out before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Let's pray together. Father, we come together this morning, gathered in the name of Jesus, believing that what we read here is the word of God. And Father, I pray that our hearts would be open. God, that we would feel the force of your word before us this morning. God, remind us of how good you are. Remind us that Jesus is better than anything that we might find in this world. Anything that we might face, God, he is stronger and we can trust in him. We can, we can rest our lives upon him. God, show us this morning what happens when Jesus shows up. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. This morning is what is called on the church calendar Epiphany Sunday. Now, Epiphany, the holiday, actually falls on January the 6th. And so the way Epiphany works is following Christmas, you have what are the traditional 12 days of Christmas. We get this messed up in our culture. We always think that 12 days of Christmas are the days before Christmas leading up to Christmas. But on the church calendar, the 12 days of Christmas are between Christmas and what's called Twelfth Night leading into Epiphany on January the 6th. Now this holiday is celebrated in different ways around, around the world. Some places, kids will put their shoes outside the door and wait for the wise men to come by, and they'll put hay out in front of the door for the camels to have when they come by, and then presents will be left in, their, in the kids' shoes. Kids, if you miss getting extra presents on January the 6th, be sure and talk to your parents about that, okay? Like, remind your parents, next year, we really need to celebrate Epiphany, and your parents who are trying to make $20 stretch all through the month of January who are actively out of money, they're not going to know what to do with that. But just next year, January 6th, the night before, you put out hay for the camels, you put out your shoes, and gifts are put in there. Uh, in, in Ireland, in certain parts of Ireland, January the 6th is called Women's Christmas sometimes. And what it celebrates is ladies who have worked themselves to the bone over the Christmas holidays get January the 6th just for themselves. 
Ladies, amen, all right? Any, any of you that missed January the 6th as this day, make sure you ask for it this week, okay? You should have celebrated Epiphany as Women's Christmas, like you get this day. This day on the church calendar, it's also used to celebrate Jesus' baptism, but most famously, it celebrates the coming of the wise men. It celebrates what does it look like, what happens when Jesus shows up. And so I thought this morning on Epiphany Sunday, I wanted to take us back to Matthew chapter two and look at this story of the wise men. What happens when Jesus shows up in our lives? What happens when Jesus shows up in our church? What happens when Jesus shows up in the world? Matthew chapter two. Verses are on the screen behind me, but if you wanna turn to Matthew chapter two, you just back up in your Bible a little bit. Let's, Let's look at this wise men's story, thinking about what happens when Jesus shows up. So verse one. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now this verse, this verse is good news for those of you when you lay out your nativity set and you refuse to put the wise men close to the manger, all right? This is is your verse, this idea that most likely the wise men arrived after the birth of Jesus. Depending on how we do dating in the New Testament, most people put the birth of Jesus around 4 BC, maybe 5 BC. Other people back it up to 6 or 7 BC. We know that when Herod hears about what's going on and he's angry and he goes after all the children who are two years and younger, most likely, and also based on the word that's used to describe Jesus in this verse, most likely this is a little bit of time after after his birth. And so, who are these wise men? Well, these wise men, are astrologers, astronomers, they're, they're from the high priestly caste of the area to the east, so probably not even Arabia, but probably east of that into Persia, or what, what you might know as Babylon. Here's the neat thing about the magi, or, or the wise men. This word is actually used, this word magi is actually used in the Old Testament Greek translation for the book of Daniel, that when Daniel was sent to Babylon, When Daniel went there and he was among those who were considered wise, the astrologers, there's a very good chance that Daniel and his friends interacted with the ancestors of the Magi, that they would have likely taught them from the Christian scripture, or not the Christian, from the Jewish scriptures. They would have taught them these different things. And so Daniel was likely associated with the Magi. And so you had this group of people who, who were brilliant and wise and wealthy. And so I thought to myself today, where would I find a group of young men who are brilliant and wise and wealthy to put before you. Like, that would be great if I could put a group of guys like that before you. And so I thought I would just read this scripture in front of me here. Verse 2. These men came and they said, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, in verse seven, it says he summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. 
And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Narrator, he did not want to worship him. (laughs) He wanted to kill him. Verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. How amazing is this story? Here are these rulers, here are these wise men, here are these people from the east, from this high class, and they come to worship at the feet of this little baby. They recognize that here God is doing something. Here God has shown up. What happens when God shows up? Look at the middle of verse 11. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, I don't know if these are wise men that I found (laughs) to to bring the gifts this morning, but you you have these gifts that are brought. What's going on in the Bible there with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh? We know these would have been sacrificial gifts. They would have been gifts that obviously cost them something. We know that they come with joy as they make these gifts. But there's also connections that we think we can make between these gifts and what they are doing when they come to Jesus. The gift of gold is associated with royalty. The gift of frankincense is often associated with divinity or worship. And the gift of myrrh is often associated with death or bitterness. And so what do you have in these three gifts? You have gifts given to a king who is both divine and human, who will come to die for his people. Most likely, this is what's going on with these sacrificial gifts that are given. Gifts to a king who is God with us, who will ultimately die for his people. What happens when Jesus shows up? The crowds aren't around. The religious leaders want to destroy him. He's far away from the temple. He's far away from Jerusalem. He's far away from the religious leaders. What happens when Jesus shows up? The nations come and bow before him in sacrificial worship, in joyful faith. He draws people to himself. Now, here's the thing. In the book of Mark, you don't get Epiphany Sunday. In the book of Mark, you don't hear about the birth of Jesus. In the book of Mark, you don't get the wise men coming But I would put before you today, in the book of Mark, you do see what happens when Jesus shows up. When Jesus shows up, he goes to the waters of baptism. He stands in line with those who are sinners because he is going to fulfill all righteousness and he is going to cleanse the waters of baptism and he's going to die for the people and he shows that with his baptism. When Jesus shows up, He goes into the wilderness with the wild animals because he's showing us that the new creation is coming. He's showing us that he's going to overcome sin and Satan. When Jesus shows up, he goes to the fishermen. He goes to the fishermen, the outsiders, the blue collar workers, and he calls them to give up everything and follow him. And he goes to these fishermen who will one day become fishers of men and one day they will become shepherds of the people, fishermen becoming shepherds. When Jesus shows up, he goes to those who are sick, those who have evil spirits, 
He goes to the man in the synagogue with the unclean spirit. He goes to Peter's mother-in-law's house. Even when Jesus shows up, he goes to mother-in-law's who are hurting and sick because he wants to show that he's come to overcome sin and darkness and death. It gets better. When Jesus shows up, he goes to those who have leprosy, those who are unclean and outsiders and no one will have anything to do with. And you know what he does? He goes to them and he touches the one with leprosy. And what should make Jesus unclean actually makes the person well, rescues them, restores them. What happens when Jesus shows up? He goes to the one who is paralyzed, the one who needs his friends to bring him before Jesus and lower him through the roof and put him before Jesus. And what does Jesus do for the lame man? He makes him able to walk again and he forgives his sins. Because when Jesus comes to bring the kingdom of God, he's not just healing people, he's restoring our souls. He's forgiving our sins. You know what happens when Jesus shows up? He goes to dinner with the tax collectors and the sinners. He goes to the people that were considered unclean, put off to the side, and he said, I'm gonna eat with these people. I'm going to be with them because I didn't come for those who are healthy and righteous. I came for those who are sick and know they need a savior. What happens when Jesus shows up? He goes to the man with the withered hand in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he heals that man. He restores his withered hand so that man can work and worship. And the religious leaders don't like it. And so what does Jesus do when he shows up? He goes back home. He goes back home and his own family tries to restrain him. His own family won't come into the house when he teaches. But he goes into the house and he says, whoever does the will of God, they're part of my family. What happens when Jesus shows up? He goes to the crowds and teaches in parables. And most of the people are spiritually deaf. They can't hear what Jesus is saying. They can't hear what Jesus is teaching. But Jesus says there are some who have ears to hear, so let them hear what I'm saying. Let them know that the kingdom of God is like a seed that is planted in the soil. And when there is good soil, that seed will grow up to be a beautiful plant. And people will give up everything they have to gain that soil, to see that plant grow. When Jesus shows up, he goes to sleep in a boat in the middle of a storm. And then he wakes up because his friends are panicking and he speaks to the storm and says, peace, be still. But he's really not just speaking, speaking to the storm, is he? He's speaking to his friends, saying, peace, be still. I will calm your chaos. When Jesus shows up, he goes to the man who's living in the place of death. He goes to the man whose life is chaos and he's living in a cemetery and he's being controlled by this evil spirit. And Jesus goes to this man living in this cemetery and he drives out the evil spirit and he restores this man and he calms his chaos. He restores his life. And it might sound like Jesus only goes to men, but when Jesus shows up, he goes to women to honor them and minister to them and involve them in his ministry. When Jesus shows up, he goes to a woman who is literally bleeding to death. She has had menstrual bleeding for years. Literally, the life is flowing out of her, and Jesus goes to her and restores her life and stops the bleeding. And he goes to a little girl where literally the life has gone out of her, and she's dead, and he raises this little girl from the dead, and what does he say? He says, give her something to eat. Why does he say that? 
Because when Jesus shows up, he loves to go to the hungry. He goes to a desolate place in the middle of nowhere to people that he wants to feed spiritually and teach them, but they're hungry. So what does Jesus do? He takes five little loaves of bread and two fish, and he feeds 5,000 men and their families with him. What happens when Jesus shows up? He walks on the water. Because you can be sure that the one who can multiply the food on the land can absolutely walk on the water. And when Jesus shows up, he walks on the water, and he goes out to his disciples who are still afraid, and he gets in the boat with them and calms them down again. And when Jesus shows up, he gets out of the boat, and he goes to the shore, and he begins to heal those who are sick, and he begins to cast out even more evil spirits. And it might sound like when Jesus shows up, he only hangs out at the lake. But when Jesus shows up, he goes to the nations. He goes to those considered outsiders. He goes to the Gentiles. Because we know that Jesus goes to the area of Tyre and Sidon, and he goes to a Syrophoenician woman whose little girl has an unclean spirit. And this lady, she doesn't need a bunch of bread. She just wants the crumbs that fall from the table. And Jesus is so impressed by her faith that he restores her little girl. And then he goes to the east side of the Jordan, to the Gentile area of the Decapolis, and he finds there a man who is deaf. Jesus goes to those who are deaf, who can't hear, and he restores the man's hearing, and he releases his tongue so that he is able to speak. And when Jesus goes to this area of the Gentiles, he's not gonna just give them crumbs. He goes to those who are hungry, and he feeds 4,000 more with seven loaves of bread and a few fish. And then Jesus goes back to the lake. And when Jesus shows up, you know what he does? He heals the blind. There's this man there who is blind, but here's the key. When Jesus shows up and heals the blind man, he doesn't heal him in one step. He heals him first and everything is fuzzy. And then he heals him a second time and the man can see because most of the time when Jesus shows up in our lives, we don't get it all the first time. We don't see everything clearly, and so he allows us to see fully what he's doing. When Jesus shows up, he goes up on a mountain because some of his disciples are really starting to get it, and he wants them to see his glory. He wants them to see who he really is, and so he goes up on a mountain, but then when Jesus shows up, he has to come down from the mountain, and he goes to this man whose son has an evil spirit, and the disciples can't cast out the evil spirit, and the man has such little faith, he's doubting so much, and Jesus comes to us in our doubts, and he provides healing and hope. When Jesus shows up, you know who he loves to go to? He loves to go to the children, but his disciples keep getting in the way of this, and Jesus says, no, let the children come to me, and when Jesus shows up, he goes to a rich young man, but this rich young man can't give up his wealth. He can't imagine giving up his wealth to receive the kingdom of God, and so he goes away. When Jesus shows up, he goes to his disciples to lead them to the cross, and all they can think about is who is going to sit closest to Jesus in glory. And so Jesus goes to a blind beggar who is sitting in the dust. He goes to blind Bartimaeus, and he gives him sight. When Jesus shows up, he is leading his people to Jerusalem, to the cross. He leads us to Mark chapter 11, verse one. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, 
to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. When Jesus shows up, he takes the people to the Mount of Olives. Now, why, why does he do that? Because he is picking up here Old Testament prophecies that he is going to fulfill. We know from Zechariah chapter 14 that when the day of the Lord comes, he will plant himself on the Mount of Olives. And so when Mark chapter 11 says that Jesus has come to the Mount of Olives, this is not just a stop on a map. This is a key moment in scripture that the kingdom of God has come, the day of the Lord is coming because Jesus has now come to the Mount of Olives. Let me show you a picture of where the Mount of Olives is located. As we go through the next several weeks in the book of Mark, I'm gonna try to show you a lot of pictures to get an idea of what's going on around this area. But we have the city of Jerusalem, and you have the temple that's sitting there on the east side, and then this Kidron Valley that runs through there, and then just to the east of that is the Mount of Olives. And you can see Bethany and Bethpage as Jesus and his disciples would have come in. And so Jesus is approaching from the east-northeast, and he's preparing to come toward Jerusalem. He's been leading this way all along, he's been leading his disciples on this way, and they come here, and what happens in verse two? Verse two, it says, when they get to this area at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. Okay, again, is this colt is a little bit like the Mount of Olives. It can seem like this very small part of the story, but it's huge. This is Old Testament prophecy coming to fulfillment here. Where does it come from? Well, it comes from Zechariah. Chapter nine, verse nine. Rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation as he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, a foal of a donkey. The people who knew their Bible way better than we will ever know our Bible, they knew that when the Savior came, he would come on a colt. And here is Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and he said, go find that colt, and we're about to go in and do what God has been planning for his people. Verse 3, Jesus tells them, hey, while you're in the process of stealing this colt, <laughs> if, if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and we'll send it back here immediately. Now I say half jokingly, they're stealing the colt. We know from ancient literature that kings and rulers as they came in, they could take ownership of animals temporarily like this, and so Jesus is not acting out of order. There's some question about whether Jesus miraculously knew there was gonna be a colt tied up and he just told his disciples go and find it, or whether he had actually planned this ahead of time. Either one, what you see in this story is Jesus has complete control over what's happening. None of this is an accident as he comes here. Verse four, they went away and they found a colt tied at a door outside in the street and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said and so they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna means save us now. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
this verse right here, what they are shouting, this is a psalm that the people would have said together, they would have sung together as they came into Jerusalem during the major feast. This psalm, Psalm 118, this is the famous psalm that you might have learned in Sunday school or vacation Bible school, where it says, this is the day that the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. I was gonna sing it for you, but let's not do that, let's not do that. Oh man, I was so close to trying it, but no, we're, we're gonna pass. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. This is from Psalm 118, the same psalm that the people would sing together. Hosanna, here's the one coming in the name of the Lord. Verse 10, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. David, the great king of Israel. Remember Bartimaeus, the blind beggar? What did he cry out when Jesus was coming? Here's the son of David that's coming. God's promises for his people are coming to fulfillment. This is the moment that it's going to happen. Verse 11. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Quite possibly, the most anticlimactic verse in the history of literature that's ever been written. Don't miss what's happened. Jesus is showing up. The king is coming. This is the promise of the coming day of the Lord. Everything is headed toward Jesus entering Jerusalem. And he walks in, looks around at everything, checks his watch. Didn't have a watch, but <laughs> checks the time, looks at the sun, and leaves. You're like, what? This was supposed to be the moment. This is what was supposed to happen when Jesus shows up. What happens when Jesus shows up? Well, we know that he receives popular praise from the crowds. The crowds are praising him. They're calling out with Psalm 118. They're seeing all these things happen. What's the only problem with the crowds crying out for Jesus? Well, a couple of chapters from now, they yell again, but it's not so positive uh, the next time that the crowds get involved. They're calling out for Jesus to be crucified. Here's the reality. When Jesus shows up, there are some people who get very excited about him and what he can bring for them, but when they realize that path is leading to the cross, they say, whoa, time out, I didn't sign up for that. This is the parable of the soils that Jesus taught in Mark chapter four. Sometimes that plant will come up really quickly, but when the sun shines down or when the weeds come in, it gets choked out. Here's the reality. We live in a world where people can give popular praise to God. They can show up on Sunday morning and they can sing all the songs. They can raise their hands. They can be associated with the church. They can give this praise to God. And when things get difficult, you're not gonna find them again. They're gonna turn and walk away. When Jesus shows up, there are people who get very excited because of what he can offer them, because they're a part of the crowd, because it's the cool thing to do and then they see the things of the world, or then they see how hard things are, and they turn away. What happens when Jesus shows up? When Jesus shows up, he confronts the rulers, the religious leaders, but he doesn't confront them using their form of power. When Jesus shows up, he deals with our desire to be in power, our desire to be in control. And I know if you're here this morning, you're probably not here this morning because you want to be in control of huge groups of people, 
But here's the reality. We need to be really careful about this. Sometimes if we're not careful in our lives, our desire to be in power is we want to control people around us. Or we want to control circumstances. And the reality that we cannot control other people, that we can't use other people, that we need to be set free from living and treating people the way the world does. What happens when Jesus shows up? He goes to this beautiful, prestigious temple, and he looks around and he says, this is not it. This is not what it looks like for the kingdom of God to come. This temple is lacking, it's corrupt. And if we can treat this morning as part one for what's gonna happen next Sunday, next Sunday we're gonna talk about the temple and, and what's wrong, what's going wrong with the temple at this time. Next week we're gonna talk about what it means to give true worship and false worship to God. But Jesus comes to the temple and this should be the moment for the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark should reach its climax here and instead Jesus looks around and says, no, this, this is not it. And here's the reality, we still live in a world where people desire prestige. They desire to show off. They desire to look good. We, we have those desires. We want to look good spiritually. We are experts. We are experts at knowing how to look religious externally when internally things are not good. And this is not what it looks like to experience the kingdom of God. What does it mean for Jesus to show up? Well, here's the thing we already know. When Jesus shows up, he calls the nations to have faith in him. He calls the nations to give sacrificial, joyful worship before him. A few verses later, which we'll look at next week, we know that when Jesus walks into the temple, the reason he's so mad is he says, this temple is supposed to be a place where all the nations come to pray, where all the nations come to worship. When Jesus shows up, he comes for the nations. He comes for the wise men. He comes from the outcast. He comes for the sinners. You don't have to be Wednesday Adams to know that those who are outcasts need love and help and mercy, and they are where God does his greatest work. He comes to call the nations to faith and worship. So what's our response? What do you do in your life when Jesus shows up? What do you do in your life on Epiphany Sunday? Here's the first response. On Epiphany Sunday, when Jesus shows up, and he has absolutely shown up, we are called to live with faith and worship before the Lord. We are called to put our faith in him to say, I'm not gonna be in control of my life anymore. I can't control other people. I can't control the circumstances of my life. I am going to give my life, surrender my life to the Lord. And that happens at the moment of salvation you may be here this morning, and this is the Sunday, Epiphany Sunday, 2023. You trust in Jesus for salvation for the first time. Or you may have been a Christian for a long time, and you're still trying to take control of your life. You're still trying to control other people. And God says, trust me. Have faith in me. Worship me. I can control this. I can take care of this. Worship is something that we do every day. It's a life of joy, a life of sacrifice. When we gather here, we gather in worship. We're gonna end our service in just a couple of moments by singing a powerful song of worship. We gather to worship. God may have given you a deep desire in your heart to worship him. January 22nd, come, be a part of this worship ministry, open house. Say, I wanna be a part of a church that authentic, 
authentically, joyfully worships the Lord. So we're gonna live lives of faith and worship. Here's the second thing. We are going to follow Jesus on mission. When Jesus shows up, don't miss this, when Jesus shows up, the way he comes to us is the way he wants us to live. We come to him so that we can then follow him on the way. We come to him and we see how he shows up in our lives and that drives how we're gonna live our lives, which means we're gonna go to our neighbors and to the nations. We're gonna give sacrificially what God has given us and we are gonna go to those who are hurting. And that happens every day of our lives. If this year you say, I know I need to be on mission for God, how do I do that? The easiest way I know to do this is you simply go to someone that you care for, go to someone you're speaking to, and say, how can I pray for you? I know it's scary to have religious conversations with people. I know it can be scary to talk about your faith. But the best way to do that is this year, go to people who are hurting, go to people that God has placed around you, and just say, how can I pray for you? And it may be that this year, God's calling you to go further. He's calling you to go on a trip with our church family. February 5th, we're having a lunch for anybody who's interested in going on a mission trip in the next few years. If God has put this on your heart and you say it may be 2023, it may be next year, the new year after, but I would love to be a part of a mission trip. We're gonna have a lunch that day that we'd love for you to come and be a part of. Here's the deal. What happens when Jesus shows up? We have to respond. And we see that he is better than anything this world could ever offer. And we hear him calling us to trust him in the middle of difficulty and pain. And so this morning we say, Jesus, we're gonna live in faith and worship before you and we are gonna follow you wherever you lead us. Would you bow your heads with me? Here in just a moment, we're gonna stand up and sing a powerful song of worship called Jesus is Better. And we're gonna use this, this song to remind us of what happens when Jesus shows up. We're gonna use this song as is a time of celebration. But let me also encourage you to use this song as a time of prayer, a time of reflection. How is God calling you to respond? When Jesus shows up, we can't just walk away. We don't wanna be like the rich young ruler that walked away sad because he refused to surrender his life. We wanna surrender our lives. If you're here this morning, and I believe there would be someone here this morning who is not a Christian, who has never trusted in Jesus for salvation, that maybe during this song you just say, I need to talk to somebody about what this means. That you would know that we're available here at the front, that you can talk to people around you. Wherever God is leading you, I pray that you would respond in faith and worship and obedience. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.